0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His word together. We're glad you're here as we turn to the book of Genesis for our newest series, Family, Why Bother? In the pages of Genesis, we'll discover all kinds of hurting relationships that prove families have been dysfunctional from the very beginning. Join us as we uncover the only one who can renew and restore our broken families. Welcome to church. Welcome. It's so good seeing everybody here today in person and online. Welcome to church. Hey, my name is Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here at Woodside Royal Oak. And I just want to welcome you to church today on this Father's Day. It's so good seeing you. If you're new or if we don't know you, if I don't know you, or you just haven't said hi, don't walk out today anonymously online. Don't watch anonymously. Leave a comment in the comment fields. And if you do, if you just want to be anonymous, there's a QR code in the seat back in front of you. You can text that. You can scan that with your phones. We'll text you, right? We'll text you if that's how you like to communicate. I wanted to provide an update um, to our campus pastor, search. Pastor Steve was here last month, and he gave a little update saying that there were two candidates that we had, or, or we started vetting. And so um, in the last month and a half or so, you know, they, they went through the vetting process. And finally, one of them was brought forth to myself and to the other campus elders and ultimately we decided that this person was not the right fit for our campus. And um, you know, I just wanna let you know that because you know, I promised that we'd be transparent with the process and give you updates as much as we had updates. And so, you know, it's sort of going back to the drawing board, but that's okay. And the reason that's okay is because, well, our goal for the campus pastor and the campus pastor search that we started on um, was that the right candidate would be the candidate that moves our campus forward right? It wouldn't be the candidate keeps us the same, but moves us forward. And to that end, we're going to keep searching, right? We're going to keep looking. Um, and if you're in the marketplace and, you know, if you're at work, you, you know right now it's even harder than ever to fill vacancies, right? It's no different in the church world. In fact, it's probably much more um, harder because there are a lot of pastors who are leaving ministry and not coming back again, right? And just, there's not many people going into vocational ministry. So it's a very tough market, um, to begin with, and it's just, you know, been heightened because of this crisis. But that's okay. That's okay. And the reason that's okay um, is because we're going to be patient. We're going to be praying um, because we know God is faithful and that God will provide the right candidate at the right time. And um, the mission of this campus, the vision of this campus, you know, the momentum of this campus remains unchanged, right? We, we exist to help people belong, grow, help belong, uh, I'm sorry, we exist, tell people belong to Christ growing Christ and reaching Christ right um And to that end, people here, people have been coming to church, placing their trust in Jesus for the first time. We are seeing people give their lives to Jesus, people being baptized. We have life groups. We have a life groups ministry that's thriving to multiply missionally across our communities. And you know, we're entrenched in our local neighborhoods and around the world with our global partners to proclaim the name of Jesus. So ministry is going forward, the gospel is being presented, and Really, the only thing that has changed is you see me, unfortunately for you, more often on stage than you probably want to, right? So um, really, that's the only thing that's changed. So we're going to continue. We're going to pray. I want you to pray, but be patient, right? It's going to be a search. It's going to be a long search, but um, in the end, we're going to find the right person and um, God's going to provide. All right. On a happier note, happy Father's Day. Um, the men in this room, it, you should have received this little coupon, Right? It's a coupon. It's to the donut cutter on Woodward. That is our gift to you. We know inflation is crazy. The price of donuts is outrageous. Um, enjoy half dozen on us. You could share it with your family. I'm just saying you don't have to. I won't tell. But uh, that's our gift to you. Happy Father's Day. Thank you for all that you do out there working one job, two jobs, three jobs, multiple jobs. Um, we are so grateful for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven. I lift up all the godly men who have been in our lives. God, I lift up the men in this room who you formed and have disciples, disciplined as your own son. Lord, we, we thank you for giving, a model, giving us a model of fatherhood that we can follow to, to love and be loved. And God, we know that this is a wonderful work that you created men for. And God, I ask that we can lean into this with our, with our families, with our friends, with our neighbors, to be like you. To, to love like you. And Lord, that, that just begins with us. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, as we, as we begin Flip Camp tomorrow, God, um, just thank you for the wonderful people who have sacrificed their time and their, their money to, to make this place, to transform this place into something wondrous, something just out of our wildest imaginations. And God, I know that um, for the families that are participating, for the 170 little kids that will be here, that you will do a miraculous work in their minds and in their hearts, that you will engage them, that you will keep them safe out of harm's way. But Lord, as they come, let them sing of your truths. Let them believe you without reservations. Lord, give them confidence and love and who their identities lie to proclaim your name. God, let them know the love of your son. God, we we know that that's what our goal is. That's what our motive is for all of them. The men and women who are sacrificing their week to serve you, to serve your little children, God, fill them with energy because they're going to need it. Fill them with excitement. Fill them with boldness. We thank you for them. We thank you for moving their hearts to act with such boldness. Bless their lives with your goodness for their faithfulness. God, as we study your word today, I ask that you allow us to confront this topic of legacy with openness, with vulnerability, that we can discuss it and take steps to living out your legacy for us through your generous provisions, your mercy, your grace. Lord, let your power fill us and your spirit guide us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 24 today. The passage itself is 67 verses. All right? It's, it's long and, and, you know, it's, uh, we're going to go through all of it. And for that reason, I'm just saying, brace yourselves, right? But we catch up with Abraham here. This is the longest story in his life, right? In the book of Genesis, it starts in Genesis chapter 12, where he's first called, but it ends here in Genesis chapter 24. Um, This is the last story that we see, and this is the longest story, And, and there's a reason for that. The reason it's the longest is because it's significant as it talks about leaving a legacy behind, right? It deserves that much attention. And the author thought it deserved that much attention that when we talk about family legacy, when we talk about inheritance, when we talk about repercussions, when we talk about consequences, um, this is important for us to learn from. Because when we look at it and when we study it, we're going to see how God wants us to leave a legacy for our next generations. And so when we talk about legacy and when we talk about all of that, people generally fall into three camps, All right. Um, Number one, the first camp is people, sometimes some people feel cursed by the legacy that their families bequeathed to them, right? They feel cursed and burdened by it. Um, The second camp people fall into is the camp of toiling to change the legacy because it wasn't enough that they left us with, right? And the third camp is feeling incredibly blessed because our families left us with a legacy that can be celebrated and moves us forward without hesitation or reservation. And if we're really honest with ourselves, really, really honest, and I'm not saying that our parents are bad parents or that are the previous generations ahead of us um, are failures, but what I am saying is that most of us, most of us toil between the first two camps, whereas we feel cursed sometimes by our families and at the same time burdened and toiling to make a difference with our family legacies. That's where most of us live. That's where most of us spend our lives. And you know what? It doesn't matter anyway, any of that, right? And I'm just sharing that, the reason it doesn't matter is because regardless of which camp you're in, the truth of the matter is, is that God's plan for you is greater than your single lifetime. It's way bigger than your single lifetime, and it must be inherited by the next generation. We have to do what we have to do to pass it down to the people who come after us. And really, that's because God is providentially working in our everyday lives. God is providentially working in our everyday lives. And that's to say this, that God is working for the good of those who love him, who have been called to his purpose. That's Romans 8, right? So whatever legacy inheritance you imagine, it pales in comparison to what God is doing for you now, and what God has planned for the next generation. And when we believe that, when we believe that as Christ followers, as God-fearers, it becomes our responsibility to trust the promises of God. That's the first thing that we have a responsibility towards. We have to trust the promises of God. We must choose to trust God because when God pledges something, it happens. That's who our God is. So we trust the promises that God made to us while we faithfully await and seek him, right? And we are seeking, more specifically, God's provision. We seek the provision of God in our lives. After all, what good is believing in the promises of God if we're not seeking for its fulfillment, right? God doesn't promise something without providing a way for those promises to be fulfilled. That's truth. And lastly, our responsibility is that we obey the plan of God, Right? And this is where most of us, we have the hardest time. This is why we toil and struggle with our family legacies is because the plan of God for fulfillment of his promise in our lives, we sometimes quit somewhere. Oftentimes we quit somewhere in obeying him, somewhere in following him, not because you know we want to be disobedient, but because we run out of gas, we run out of endurance, but because we, we just, we We stop. Right? And that's why some of us struggle with the curses that our family leaves behind with us. That's why we struggle with the legacies that we are left behind trying to fix, right? Um, but that, that can't be a reason we stop. That can't be the reason that the next generation receives an unfulfilled legacy from us, right? It's simply unacceptable. So we stay steadfast and we obey the plan of God. And, and the story in Genesis chapter 24, and we're going to open that in a second Abraham is 140 years old. All right? 140 years old and the promises of God have come to fruition in Abraham's life, right? Everything that God has said will come to pass has finally come to pass. And at 140 years old, he's starting to think about how do I pass down the fulfillment of God's blessing to my son, Isaac, Right, And so the the reason he does this is because the promise that God made to Abraham was that he's going to bless Abraham's family, his lineage, and he's going to bless the nations through that lineage. And so now Abraham's like, wait, now I got to pass this on because I'm 140 years old. I'm 140 years old. I, I can't be here alone doing this the rest of my life. My life is about to end. It must go to the next generation. And so this is where we pick up the story. Genesis chapter 24, read it with me. Now Abraham was old. Will advance in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. And it doesn't matter how you read this, whether you read it allegorically or literally, right? But the conclusion is the same. The conclusion is that your legacy cannot send the generation after you backward. All right? And here's what I mean by that, right? God brought you on a journey, fulfilling his promises in your life. Don't place your kids or your grandkids or the people you influence that come after you at a disadvantage by making them start from scratch, by making them start before you even knew the promises of God in your life, right? And this is important because that means all of us, all of us must take steps to advance the journey with God that our children, that our grandchildren, that our grandchildren's children go on, right? It's one of the most important things that we can do as a recipient of God's promise. And in this passage, we see that the assignment that Abraham had went to his most trusted servant. It went to the guy where if he left or he died, his household wouldn't function. And this guy was in charge with this important task. And so in verses six through eight, Abraham professes that God is going to be working providentially every day in his life and in the matter that, you know, that's at hand. And he trusts God will promise, right? That his promises will be passed down to Isaac. Now, here's the important part. We just have to obey, right? And the obedience piece is this in the story, that Isaac must not go back to Abraham's homeland no matter what. Isaac cannot go back to where Abraham came from. So when we read this, it's our recipient, right? It's our our responsibility as a recipient of God's promise to make sure that we do what we can to ensure that the next generation coming after us are in a position to inherit the promises of God. And this is what I'm not saying, right? I'm not saying that we're protecting the next generation from making bad choices. I'm not saying that, you know, the reality that we're protecting them from what's true and what will happen in their lives. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that we must do what we can to set them up for success and believing and trusting and obeying the plan of God because God is providing for his plan. And that is our obligation. That is our mission. That is our goal. And so I'm going to ask everyone here, what are we doing intentionally to pass off that blessing of faith that you have, that you've learned, that you've journeyed with to your children, to your grandchildren, to your nephews, to your nieces, to people who are coming after you? And I'm going to tell you right now that simply inviting them to church or giving thanks at an occasional family meal peppered across the calendar year is not enough. It's not enough. If we really want our children to receive the blessing of God's promises, then we have to prepare them for what it means to be a Christ follower when they become a minority, marginalized and alienated for their faith. We have to take steps to make sure that the blessings and promises of God are yes and amen. And we have to act with great care and diligence towards that end. We can't do this haphazardously. We, we can't do this when, when we have the time because then it'll never get done. It'll be like my honey-do list that never ends at my house, right? Months and months I'm told to fix something it's not gonna get fixed for the next few months, right? I mean, that, that's just the truth of the matter and this is how we relegate faith though. This is how we relegate legacy and, and that's not acceptable, Right, And what we have to do, it it means that we have to regularly and frequently talk to our children and the next generation about faith to teach them to pray, to pray with them, to worship with them, to read the Bible with them, to serve with them. We have to schedule it. We have to make it regular. We have to put it on our calendar. We have to make it a tradition. We have to make it a routine. We have to make this of utmost importance because if we're not, we lose. The next generation loses. They're set back behind us. And we don't want that. That's not acceptable. Verse 10. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. Abraham is in Beersheba, right? Um, Beersheba is in the southern part of Israel. So um, from there to Nahor, where where it is in Mesopotamia in Arabia, it's about 500 miles distance, right? So when you drive that, it's what? About eight or nine hours, depending on how heavy footed you are, right? But when all you got is a camel, right, and you got to go through mountains and you got to go through the desert, Um, you're only really traveling about 15 to 20 miles a day. So that means that that distance, that distance, it's going to take, if you're lucky, a month, right? If you're lucky, you're traveling that distance a month, one way. And so the servant took 10 of his camels, right, 10 of his master's camels, and he's going to make the trip, one month at least, right? And so... Um, here's what we understand about this, right? When, when we read this, it, we, we understand that God provides, but our obedience to the plan, to receive the provisions of God, it's gonna be long and hard. This is not an easy journey, right? One month's journey away from where you live, away from your resources is not an easy journey. And so our obedience requires mental and physical preparation, but also endurance and confidence to actually go forward. That, that's what this journey of legacy is for all of us. Verse 11, Finally, the servant made it to the city of Nahor and he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, "O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water. And the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink. And who will say, drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. And so the prayer that he is praying is a prayer of desperation right? And maybe some of us have prayed that type of prayer, that type of desperation. We, we pray that for a spouse. We pray that for a child. We pray that for a job, for a situation to improve, for an addiction to disappear. And we make this our standard prayer because this is the prayer that we're given, right? That we must seek God's provision, God's hand in every decision we make because sometimes we just assume it. We just assume it. Right, You see here, and I want you to notice that the servant is not just praying to find any woman willing to marry a stranger. This is not 90 Day Fiance, right? He's praying. He's praying fervently that God provides the right woman. The right woman. And the servant, the reason he says this is he sees that there are many options. There are many options. The women of the city are all out here, right? But he recognizes that he's gotta look past all the good options. And he has to choose the right option, right? A, a lot of times when we're seeking the provision of God, that, that's, that's all great. We, we start obeying God and we start obeying his commands. And what ends up happening is we, we settle. We settle for a good option or we settle for a viable one. And we settle because the journey is so long and it was so hard to get to that point. So whenever we say, hey, that looks like a good option. We think that's from God. But that's exactly when we have to pray more, that we have to pray more specifically. We have to pray with more expectation because God gives us a specific provision and we can't settle for just any provision, right? And if we're not praying this way, if we're not looking this way, folks, we have to stretch our imaginations, right? We have to stretch our prayers because God's plan for you and is much more greater than you and much more specific than you ever dared dream, much more specific than you ever dare dream. And incidentally, this is my prayer for all of us as a church, right? That we pray longing for God's fulfillment of his promises in our lives. I pray, right? I pray that we would have prayers soaked with the tears of hope, painted by the blood of sacrifice so that we could witness the power and awe of God's providence up close and personally because that's gonna cause all of us to worship him, right? And I mean, this is exactly why we have people at the end of the service who are willing to pray with you because your burdens are not meant to be prayed and carried alone, but meant to be carried and prayed with each other, because that's how big the burden is, that's how big the prayer should be, because God provides that way, that big, that greatly. Verse 15, I want you to notice how God providentially works even before the servant's done praying. Verse 15, before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden who had no, no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, drink, my Lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not." let's get a few things straight about this, right? Rebecca didn't have to cater to the servant. He's a stranger, right? He's a complete stranger. He's a foreigner, in fact, right? And in fact, this guy, he has two hands of his own. He could have helped himself. She could have just put the water down and said, hey, go drink, right? That would have been most of us, right? But she serves him, right? She serves him when she didn't have to. More than that, she cared for a stranger's camels. I don't know about you, but what I learned in elementary school was that camels in their hump, They store a lot of water and they drink a lot, right? That's how they make it through the desert. And so she's giving water to 10 camels. Have you ever drawn out of a well? It's not easy. It's not easy putting the bucket down, bringing the bucket back up, and then dragging that to wherever your animals are to feed them. And then imagine now these are camels. They're drinking for a while, right? The Bible doesn't say how long they're drinking, but they're drinking. And she hurried. That's the key here. She hurried. She did this swiftly. And she worked and worked and worked. And she worked hard, right? And so she could have provided the bare minimum, but she didn't, right? This is generous hospitality. This is exactly how God provides for us. He doesn't stop at the bare minimum. That's why a good option or a viable one is not really God's option, right? He never stops at the bare minimum. He goes over and beyond what we deserve. That's who our God is. Verse 22. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets from her arms weighing 10 gold shekels and said, "'Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night?' She said to him, "'I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor.' She added, "'We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night.'" The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. What would cause this servant, mid-conversation, to stop and worship God? Right. And when you think about it, you start thinking, well, the spirit of God must have awakened something, must have awakened how God is providentially working Right? And so realizing that God's hand is on this everyday act of life, the servant says, God, thank you so much for your steadfast love. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness. And this is a prime example of how we need to be worshiping God in the moment, joyfully recognizing who our God is in our everyday in our everyday activities, because God is working providentially in them, right? So when we worship God every day, tangibly establishing the source of our provisions, of our success, of our legacy, because God gives us His Son, He adopts us as children, as sons and daughters through his, child, through, through his Son Jesus, we inherit the kingdom of God. We inherit because Jesus laid His life down and because. We are given assurances this is why we worship. We worship on Sunday because we have assurances that this is not the end for us. We will see a resurrection. And when we trust the promises of God and when we seek his provision, when we obey his plan, our legacy is assured. Know that your legacy is assured when you do these things. And that is why we worship. We worship for that. We worship all the time for that. It's not worship on Sundays only, but it's a worship every single moment of the day. Verse 28 Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Rebecca had a brother whose name is Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. Keep this guy Laban in mind because next week we're going to talk about Esau and Jacob. And I'm pointing him out to you now because when we're obeying God's plan now, God's already working providentially to provide for our future generations later. You'll see this next week. Verse 30. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebecca, his sister, thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, come in, O blessed one of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then the food was set before him to eat. But the servant said, I will not eat until I have said what I have said. Laban said, speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him, he has given all that he has. My master made me swear saying, you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son and for my clan and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you can come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if you are now prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And who will say to me, drink and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebecca came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, please let me drink. And she quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give your camel's drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camel's drink also. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, the horse son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put a ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arm. Then I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master, Abraham, who led me by the right way to take this daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you good or bad. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord had spoken. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord, and the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments, and he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, send me away to my master." Her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us a while, at least 10 days. After that, she may go. But he said to them, do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They, let, they said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebecca and said, will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebecca, their sister and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, O oh sister, may you become thousands of tens of thousands, and may your offspring possess the gates of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the men. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Rebekah here is like the second Abraham, right? She chooses to say yes to God. Right? She chooses to leave her old life behind, everything that she had been given, everything that she and her family had stood for and built, she chooses to leave behind for the promises of God, not knowing exactly what that promise is. And when we accept God's promise and purposes for our life like Rebecca does, then we are blessed. We're not only blessed by God, but we're blessed by the people who see us and see our lives in the future, right? So make that choice today. Some of us need to make that choice to choose God, to choose to trust his promises, to choose to seek his provisions, to choose to obey his plan for us. Because when we choose these things, we choose the legacy God wants to bestow in our lives, in the lives of the generations that follow after us. Verse 62, we're almost done. Now Isaac heard, and now Isaac had returned from Beer Lahai Roy and was dwelling in the Negev. And this, story, this verse right here, it really, it's unnecessary for forward progression, right? Beer Lahai Roy translates simply to the well of the living one who sees me. And, you know, this is part of Abraham's story. You can read this in Genesis chapter 16. And we don't actually know what drove Isaac there. And this is why I say it's not really important for the forward progress of the story. But what we do know is that when he comes back from this place, after being seen by God at this well, right? After he comes back, the promise and the plan of God becomes fulfilled. Verse 63. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward the evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebecca lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. You see here, Isaac is the benefactor of God's promises. He receives his heavenly inheritance, the legacy stemming from the faith of his father, the faith of his father's servant, and from his future wife, seeking the provision of God and obeying God's commands. But not all of us have it made like Isaac does, right? Unlike him, some of us, we contend with a long legacy of sin and enmity with God. We're far from the place where God promises, but regardless of where we are, God sees us. God sees us and shows us that when we come home to him, his provisions arrive according to his plan, right? God's promises, his plans, his provisions, they come in the form of Jesus. They come from God's one and only son. Jesus came from heaven to earth, the promised deliverance for those who believe in God's promises. Jesus' death, in it, our sins died with him. The penalty of sin paid once and for all. And in Jesus' resurrection, we are blessed by our heavenly father with an eternal inheritance as heirs of the kingdom of heaven. And as a result, our lives today in this world are blessed and forever altered. So do not delay. Do not wait in making the choice to trust Jesus. Just like Rebecca seize the moment to commit or recommit your life. Now is the time to accept Jesus as the promise as a provision we need because our obedience to his commands, that's the source of the legacy we leave behind to the next generation. An eternity blessed by our God in heaven. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your son. His blood paid the price for our eternal security. Through his resurrection, we have hope, we have confidence that your promises will be unchanging and are unchanging and that we are blessed beyond this life. God, the journey for some of us to receiving the fulfillment of that promise has been so hard. It's been so long, but we believe that with endurance, with the things that you have provided, we have everything we need to receive your son, to receive your blessings in full. God, we know that you're going to work all things out, that you are working all things out for those of us who place their trust in you. So let us be reminded that you are a good father that does not fail, that does not abandon, that provides continually in our lives, prospering us, giving us hope for the future because you do not go void or null in your promises. But all those promises will be found as we seek you with all our heart. Thank you for a legacy full, full of blessing, full of promise, full of provision. Let that blessing overflow in our lives and in the lives of the generations after us. Help us choose to be bold to be faithful, to follow after that. God, we thank you for this awe so that we can worship you and answer you swiftly. Lord, fill us with your power and with your mercy. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.